0: Let's turn to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter number 18. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 is where we will begin reading. I can't deny that this is on my mind for several reasons. Um, uh, First of all, the the terrible, ungodly events that have happened in, uh, in that happened in Nashville, have has brought this subject to my mind. But also, uh, I had the chance to go with Anna and Abby down to Crown College. They wanted I said down over to Crown College, and uh, so that they could see um, see that there and and you know inquire about maybe going there at some point in the future. So. Um, And uh, we got to sit in a class and it was methods of of methods of teaching the Bible. And it just so happened that his lesson that day was on how to teach the Bible to children. And it was a really good lesson. Um, It was a lot a lot like you would find in like a Sunday school um, teachers like seminar or something like that. And it was it was very helpful. But that got me thinking about this. And so I wrote down the, uh, when I was, as I was getting ready, I wrote down, tried to write down from memory the names of the, the kids, the little kids in our church. And so I got to think about them and, and pray for them and, and think about, you know, their future and think about their families and that kind of thing. And, you know, we just, we just sang a song and it talked about, it, it, called, it called the Savior, said the beginning of the last verse said, beautiful, Savior, And, you know, few things reveal and illustrate the beauty and the gentleness of the Lord Jesus Christ like our subject tonight. Uh, Of course, you can read the verses that describe the Lord as a very gentle, you know, how that he would not quench a smoking flax or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, that describe him as gentle and meek, and we know he is. But in this one particular instance um, that we read, uh, you can see it illustrated. And so I want just want to cover these verses this evening, Matthew chapter eight verses one through six. Then we'll pray, and then uh, we'll there's another passage we'll look at together this evening. Verse one says, "At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest?" In the kingdom of heaven? That's just the wrong question. <laughs> just the wrong question. You know, sometimes you, get, you don't get the answer that you want, and sometimes you just ask the wrong question. That's the wrong question to ask. <laughs> Verse 2 And Jesus called a little child unto him and set, set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, just as a note, when you read kingdom of heaven, don't read heaven. It says kingdom of heaven. So it's not talking about going to heaven. This is God's kingdom where God is the king and those that have believed in him are the subjects. So this is a spiritual kingdom. Verse 5, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the time to meet together as a church again. Thank you for every face uh, that I see and, and faces that would be here if they could be here. Thank you for them, too, as they listen from, from home and the opportunity and the technology to broadcast that to them. And Lord, I just pray for your blessing and your help and grace upon our study of the Word. Lord, I pray that you would just stir our hearts and encourage uh, those in our church that need encouragement. I pray that this truth, and not just this truth, but who you are, the gentleness and meekness of Christ would just be very evident as we study tonight. Lord, thank you for these characteristics that, that you demonstrate to us, that you epitomized and exemplified. Lord, we pray that you would help these truths to sink in, into our hearts and give us opportunity to, uh, to serve and minister to little children that you love So bless our time together. Lord, we need your help. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, so the disciples come, and as I said, they asked the wrong question. Um, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, as a response to that, he brings a little child, and he sets the little child right in the center of a group of adults. He sets a little child right in the center of a group of adults, which is a very unusual thing, an unusual place for a child to be. Normally, when adults are around, what do they tell children to do? In Cambodian, they would say, <laughs> which means run off somewhere far away. <laughs> but we do that in English. We say, "go, go, go play, go play, go play. We don't want to be bothered. You know, but what the Lord does is actually, actually the exact opposite. He makes this little child the very center of attention, and that of the attention of the adults. And often we don't think of—we don't think of, of course, the Lord is using this little child as an example of a pattern to for an adult to emulate. And obviously, we don't think of kids as people that we try to emulate. We think of somebody that we find honorable, somebody we think of, we think of higher than us, very, very rarely. Now, just think about it and be honest with yourself. How many times have you thought about, you you thought, I should emulate someone, you know, this person, and this person was someone that you viewed on a lower stratum than yourself, it's very, very unusual to do that. Usually when you think of someone you want to, to mimic or emulate, you want to you do it with someone that you, you perceive as more honorable than yourself. Well, the Lord, like He does everything, He just turns it on its head. And He uses a child as His chosen example. And He addresses the question in verse 3, the most important of all questions, which is, how do you get into God's kingdom? You think of John 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see. And then later, enter the kingdom of of God. So this most important question, the Lord uses a child as the example of how you do it. How you do it. And God knows that the pride, the arrogance, the experience, the suffering, the jadedness, the biases of adults really hinders them from going into God's kingdom without a doubt, without a doubt. So the Lord sets his child right in the center of the adults rather than ignoring him. So the Lord doesn't doesn't ignore the little child. The Lord brought him into the middle. I bet that that kid was so happy. He was so happy. You know, I remember when Anna was a baby, well, she was like two. My wife's going to say, she wasn't two. She was like 17 months and three days or something. (laughs) She would know, and she would know what she was wearing and all these things. So if, But I remember that we, we were somewhere, and uh, there was a group of, I think it was little boys, and she walked right, I mean, she was only like two or three years old, she walked right into the middle of them, and there was a circle of these like 12-year-old boys that were just standing around, and they were talking, and so she walked right into the middle of them. She just found her way and found a crack and, and wiggled her way right in and just looked up like this. That's what the Lord did with the kid, though. With this little child. Now, I don't know how old this child was, but he put him right in the middle. And then in verse 10, look what it says Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. So rather than shooing him away, the Lord brings him close and sets him in the middle. What attention that the Lord gave this kid! I love it. And he sets this child as a pattern to adults to follow. And the fact that he does that, you know what that does? That is a test. You know, as I said, most of the time we look, we look lightly upon children. We lightly esteem what they do. We do not consider, just speaking transparently here, we do not consider them to, to be someone or what they do to be something we should follow and mimic. But the Lord makes this child that, the pattern to follow. As, as a test of our own humility. He uses something low and base to say, now do this. See this, this is right. You're not, this is right. You want to be great, this is right. And then he says in verse number, he says, uh, verse number three again, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, what are are the prominent characteristics of little children? You could probably come up with some. In verse number four, what does he mention? He mentions one characteristic, which is what? That humility. Okay, so I thought of a couple more. You could probably think of some, especially those of you that have worked with kids and stuff or have kids. Uh, I thought of, uh, of several that the Lord says these are prominent characteristics of little children that the Lord sets as examples to anyone who would enter the kingdom of God. That's pretty... That's pretty straightforward. I mean, this deals with salvation, eternal life. That's a pretty important question. Number one is humility. See, children have, and he says in verse four, children have no illusions about their weakness. (laughs) Right? They don't. They don't have any illusions that they're strong because physically they're not and they know it. They're reminded continually of the fact that they can't reach things. They can't open things. They can't do things, you know, constantly, even, even to this day. Sometimes my kids will bring, will bring stuff for me to open, bottles and jars and stuff like that. And they're not, they're not little kids anymore. But kid, little kids can't do anything on their own. And they know it. And in a very real and physical sense, they're not self-sufficient and they know it. They need other people. Kids also know that they don't know stuff. That's why they ask so many questions. Why? Why? They're naturally humble because they are fully cognizant of what is true of us, but we, we don't see it as clearly. They have nothing materially to cherish. They don't own anything. Everything that they have is given. That's true of us also, but that's not the way we see it, <laughs> right? Right? So that's why they constantly, as I said, they reach for things, they ask to open things, they ask questions, they constantly are asking for stuff and it drives us crazy, right? It annoys us sometimes, but they're showing their humility. They're, they're conscious of that fact. Another thing I thought of is how sincere kids are. Kids often take things at face value. They don't, they don't, have, a, they don't have a lot of a, a, a divided kind of, well, say it like this. They've not not learned yet how to be critical and cynical because they've not been hurt and disappointed by people not being honest with them. They believe what they're told. And you've got to be really careful if you work with kids because they do believe what they're told for good or bad. They're naturally believing people. And then the third thing I thought about, it's the kind of, Stuck out to me and was prominent to me is honesty. Children have not yet learned the depth of sin needed to deceive with calculation and forethought. You know, sometimes they lie when they get, when they get into a, a difficult place, you know, maybe a, a place where they feel shame. They might be tempted to lie, but that's not calculation. That's, that's in the moment. But as they get older, you know, of course, that changes. In fact, one preacher I heard, he says, he's talking about the depravity of man. And he says, you know, we think they're all cute, but they're really vipers and diapers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's pretty much it. They're just little vipers. (laughs) They grow up into big vipers. Well, like, like us, right? See, children... They say what they think, and that embarrasses us, but they don't have any mixed motive. Look at Matthew, hold your place there. Look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 16. This is a good example. So all these people, the Lord's doing his triumphal entry, and he's cleansing the temple, and people are shouting Hosanna to the son of David in verse 15. Of course, you know who's upset about that. And verse sixteen says, "And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say?" And Jesus saith unto them, "Yea, have ye never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise?" These little babies, these little kids, they're just shouting stuff. They don't have any idea. They don't. There's nothing. There's there's nothing. There's nothing under it. It's just pure. They're not impressing anyone. They're just shouting what's coming to their heart. That's honesty. And that's the way kids are. I came across a quote I thought was good. It's this by Oliver Wendell Holmes. It says this, pretty much all the honest truth telling there is in the world is done by children. (laughs) That's pretty good. Shouldn't be, but it is probably largely true. So kids are humble, naturally humble, naturally sincere, naturally honest. Now I'm not saying children don't have a sin nature. They do have sin in them, but that doesn't really, really... Develop and really start to fester. It, it takes time. It takes time. You know, as uh, my family, some of you might, might know, some of you might not, but as, as my family's been dealing with these court things, uh, we've come across a great, uh, an enormous library of information. But one thing we came across is something that is called a forensic interview. And sometimes when, when bad things happen to little kids, the uh, investigators can do, or they can have like child services or something like that, uh, a trained person to do what's called a forensic interview. And this deals with the honesty of children. And it usually they can do it up to about 11 years old because at 11, the, 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 the detective we were talking to said that at about 11 years old is when a child begins, usually begins to be able to deceive, like with forethought. But up until that time, they can do what's called a forensic interview. And what that does is you sit a child down, and there's very strict guidelines. You cannot lead the child. You have to make the child comfortable, and the child just talks. But you know that whatever that child says, and with those strict regulations in that conversation, they count that that, uh, that conversation in that forensic interview equal to physical evidence like DNA in a court of law. Because children are not inclined to lie at that age, at a young age. They're just honest and pure. They're just as far as what they say. And so the Lord says, this is the way you have to be to enter the kingdom of God. All right, let's move on because I don't want to get bogged down too much. Verse 4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. You know what this is? This is God giving honor to those that invest their lives in children in his name. You know, in that college class, one thing that the, the professor mentioned is how that oftentimes the, the, the way people view like Sunday school teachers and Christian workers is, you know, an inexperienced Christian workers put with the kids, the youngest kids, because, you know, they're the least experienced. That's the way it's viewed. And then, and then as you gain experience, you get to go with the older kids. And that's the way we all view that to some degree. But actually, the Lord gives honor to those, those that invest with, in kids. He says, he, whoso receiveth shall receive one, one such little child in my name receiveth me. So he puts himself in the place of the child. He puts himself in the place of a child. And the fact that the Lord says one such child reminds us that he's paying attention to every single child. So every child, Miss Pam, that you have in your class and Miss Beverly and those of you that have been involved in Sunday School Children's Church, every single child that's in your care is The Lord pays attention to that child and his eyes on them and the fact that you serve them is valuable to God. He is paying attention and he is is considering service to little kids as service to him. He puts himself in in the place of the child, right, in verse number uh, five. So I just want to say a few words to those that work with kids or those that might work with kids. We shouldn't look at working with kids as a lesser kind of diminutive, kind of unimportant job. It's a great honor to give attention to to kids and to teach kids what will be their foundation for their worldview. Because if you lay those foundations right when they are little, they, whether they like it or not, will carry those things into adulthood. And those foundations... Well, later, even if they don't actually get converted, those foundations will be the foundation upon which another Christian worker will be able to build. It's not a small thing. The foundational truth. So you need to teach them those foundations. You don't have to get all deep with kids. Teach them the basics. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Heaven and hell, sin and righteousness and judgment. You know, the basics of the Christian faith, the basic truths. Because when they get older, those things will still be in their mind. Be careful to love them and show them great attention and affection. And you're going to see that in just a second. Love the kids. It's not just about teaching them, it's about loving them. And then be very careful in leading them, especially leading them. Because kids will follow you wherever. So you've got to be careful. When you're talking to a kid, especially about salvation... You just got to be careful. You got to be careful. And you, I'll give you another principle of that in just a minute, but it's just something you just got to be cognizant of if you work with kids. But there's another lesson in here how the Lord uses a child and he, he, he gives a blessing and an honor to, to someone who works with a little child because it reminds us that we don't get to pick and choose who to serve and who to receive and only pick and choose those that we highly esteem, the people with money, the people with, you know, that, that, that can help our church, the people that can, you know, make our church look better and have a better clientele or whatever. We don't, if the Lord gives emphasis to serving little children, then what does that say about, about his expectations about serving other people that we might not highly esteem? Maybe the downs and outers. The people that are on drugs or, or have world, have the scars and marks of the world or, or the smell of the world on their body. People struggling, people with problems, baggage, people that are poor, people with lives that are messed up. Those are the people that Lord, if he tells us that we need to get pay close attention to kids because they're, they're not highly esteemed, that also applies to all these other people that we might, not highly esteemed. And in fact, the book of James addresses that directly. But then we get to verse 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, if it were better for him than a millstone. How many of you know what a millstone is? Big round thing. So you have a nether and an upper. A nether means lower, bottom. So you have a stone, a big stone on the bottom. There's an, there's an upper stone. And it's a round stone that is drug around and around and around and around. And that grinding motion, it grinds the meal, wheat and such. Does you just get this picture in your mind, what the Lord is saying. Notice what it says. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. Well, I guess kids can get saved then, right? That's what it says. Kids can believe in Christ. Yes. Now there's a I mean, if you come to me and you say, Well, I got saved and I was, you know, eight months old, I'm gonna have some I'm going have some questions. But kids can kids can get saved. And people could come up at different speeds and they Uh, They have different levels of understanding at different ages and such. But kids can't get saved. The Lord says, that which believe in me. The Lord reserves in this verse the greatest, the gravest of threats for those who would cause these to stumble in their faith. Now, what it means to offend here, offend, in this case, It means, it doesn't mean like we would say, well, he offended me, she offended me. What we mean when we say that in in our common language is we mean they said something I didn't like and it hurt my feelings, right? But in this verse, and the word offend properly in the Bible is is not a reference to us being injured, but it's really a reference to a stumbling block being laid before us, causing us to stumble. Just like in Romans 14, 21 says this, it is neither good nor, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. So that makes it, that makes it real clear because there's some synonyms there. So this is, talking about, this is talking about these little kids who have faith in Christ and someone does something to them which causes them to stumble in their faith or, or you might say turn from the Lord. Their faith is pure. They have no doubt. You know, only adults doubt. <laughs> Even the wildest things, only adults doubt that. Like you think about Santa Claus and those kinds of things. You know, kids really believe in that stuff because they've never been told any different or whatever. Adults are the ones that don't believe it. Now, so that's why truth is, truth is important. You know, it should be true and real, of course. That's, that's the, the foundation for teaching, but... So you have these little ones that believe in Christ. So an early faith in Christ lays a foundation for later faith. That's what I was talking about earlier, foundation. So wherever that foundation is, so you lay a foundation of faith and then later it's easier to build. But where that foundation has been destroyed because some wicked or negligent person has caused a child to stumble in their faith, it is almost impossible to repair. You know, many, many, many people that you find that are hostile to Christianity often came up in a home that was religious. If you witness and you you don't often get to get to get personal information from people that are real hostile, but when you do, you will find the great percentage of them came up in a Christian home. Maybe their mom and dad weren't consistent. Maybe they weren't converted. Maybe they didn't live right. Maybe they beat them. Maybe whatever. Something happened in their upbringing that caused them to stumble. Another person injured them in some way, and they stumbled. And even, even if their parent maybe didn't do anything egregiously wrong or wicked against them, but, but that parent's inconsistent life, and that parent it was, was, was not godly, but said they were a Christian, and that, that kind of thing. So you have this, this child puts their parents up as, as, a, as an example, as a representative of, of God, Really? And then all of that comes crashing down because that parent is wicked or does whatever. And that child says, never again. And he turns away. Frederick Douglass, another good quote. He said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. That's true. Once that foundation, once that child is offended, it is, I mean, it is, it takes an act of God to turn people like that, like that back to the Lord. You know, we're talking about uh, uh, last few services. I guess it was Sunday. We're talking about no, not Sunday. It would have been Wednesday. We're talking about what's her name again? In the Kawani, Kawani, who is that radical abortion activist? I feel privileged because I was able to be on her TikTok. So it's a TikTok, right? Yeah. So she took a video of us and she featured us on her TikTok. So I'm, I'm famous now, I guess. So it wasn't nice, though. I assume I hadn't seen it. But Kewani, a radical, trans, progressive, all, you know, you check the boxes, ideological boxes. David says she comes from a Christian background. How does that happen? Right here. Now, this verse in verse 6, sometimes people understand, we read this verse, and it's natural to understand it, understand it this way, but oftentimes the way we understand this verse is like this. This verse, we would say this verse means that no one should do harm to a child in a physical sense. And of course, that's true. That's true. But what's in view here is not really doing harm, it's in abuse. What's in view here is the child's faith the child's faith. Now, those are related though, definitely related. What the Lord is saying that no one should do anything that causes a child to stumble in their faith, as I said before. And the Lord says it is a grave sin in their sight. Remember, the one who died, follow me now, the one who died on the cross for sinners, the one who is so kind and gentle as to call these little kids to him. And we'll see in a minute, he calls those kids and he takes them up into his arms and they get close to him. This is our Lord. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. He's so kind and gentle to these little kids. He, the same one, is the one that says, anybody that offends one of these little ones, it is better for a millstone to be tied around his neck and cast into the sea than for him to do that. I mean, that's a pretty bad way to go. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty terrible execution. You talk about cruel and unusual punishment. That's it. But the Lord who cannot lie says in those terms how serious of a matter it is. This is a grave sin in God's sight. This is a grave sin in God's sight. Causing children to stumble in their faith does them great harm untold, incalculable harm. And sometimes through inconsistency and sometimes through flat-out wickedness. Now hear me, parents who take the name of the Lord in vain. Talk about the meaning of what that means. That's not just using God's name as a curse word. But parents who take God's name in vain, profess to know Christ, and live wicked lives before their children as representatives of God, they provoke their children to turn from Christ because their parents, the kids' parents, who represent the Lord, do them harm. And that harm is profound. And once that association, hurt, harm, evil, is associated with Christ, once that hardens like cement, once that cement is set, that future adult is almost irreparable the conduct of Christian people in their lives turns them away from Jesus. It offends them. You know, and we look at this verse, and when I look at this verse, I think about kids who are actually physically abused by parents. I'll just, I'll say this and I'll keep moving. But no church no Christian, no parent, no Christian adult should ever, ever, be a safe place for somebody that harms children. Never. Sometimes you know you know in, the, in our in our day how many. How, many, how much of that stuff has come out in different religions and denominations and churches and stuff. And some churches are kind of hidden that kind of stuff. And little boys and little girls are abused physically and sexually and all those kinds of things. And, and it's hidden because, oh, we don't want the reputation of the church. Or, or if they want to be really spiritual, we don't want the reputation, the, the name of Christ to be harmed. And so they cover it up, which actually is worse. It's wicked. And the Lord says... He gives among, uh, among the gravest threats <laughs> in his word, he gives to people that harm, that harm and offend children. And you think about some, think about it. Think about a little child who came up in a, in a family where people, where people went to church and not, 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 not ungodly, atheistic, whatever, you know, uh, you know people that are involved in Satanism. I'm talking about people that go to church because almost all these people do. That's the way it works and they come up in a home that's a nightmare, and they're, they, are, they are abused and harmed the whole life. What Do you think that they're going to identify with that religion? Absolutely not. That is what the Lord is talking about. No, as I said, no church, no Christian should provide a safe place for anybody that does that. If you would look at Mark chapter 10, Verse 13. We'll be done in just a second. This is the last passage I want to look at. Hopefully a little bit more pleasant. Mark 10 verse 13 says this, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. The, the disciples in this case, another example of the children coming to Jesus. Before Jesus called the children, used as an example, the child used as an example. In this case, the, apparently the parents are bringing the child because you know, I mean, you know how doing in these political rallies, you see their kids, they hold their kid up to Donald Trump and then kiss, you know, kiss the orange man, you know, but that, I mean, you know how that goes. All, all the politicians do it, and they got... Of course, of course, they don't do it sincerely. They just do it because they got to get their photo op with the kids and stuff. But but obviously, the people bringing their children to the Lord. But the disciples... Uh, and, and think about it. If they're bringing their kids to the Lord for him to touch them, that's what they're... Touch my kid. Bless my kid. That means he must have had a reputation of being a very gentle person. But the disciples... Are annoyed. They considered the presence of kids a nuisance. It was a bother. It was beneath the dignity of the Messiah. But the Lord was not just irritated. But in verse, uh, look at verse look at verse fourteen. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. (laughs) He wasn't just bothered by this, but he was not a happy camper. And he says, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. You think about little kids want to come, you know, little kids, they want to get saved and they come over and over and over because they think it it, it, didn't get it right the first time. Some of you have been through that, have lived that. You know what it's like to be confused and you, 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 you really felt, you, you meant it when you called on the Lord and you really felt, you knew you were a sinner and you needed God and all the, and, you, and But you come over and over and sometimes kids do that. Let them come. That's the, what the Lord says. Let them come. It's so frustrating. Let them come. The Lord will sort it out later. The worst thing you can do is say, no, no, you don't need to worry about that. Or, Worst of all, Brother Mark knows what I'm going to say. Worst of all is to say, oh no, you're okay, you're saved. (laughs) Do not do that. You let God talk to them. You let God lead them. You just let them come. You pray with them. as many times you got to pray with them. Your little kids come. I want to get saved. You know they're not old enough. You know they don't get it. Let them come. Let them come. You explain it. Let them come. Let them come. Suffer them to come. Some people say, <clears throat> Some people say, children are to be seen and not heard. How many of y'all have heard that before? Actually? See, we, that's why, look, we don't pattern our, that's why we want to be Bible Christians. We don't pattern our life after the, after the culture or the things we heard growing up. That's not, that's not what we pattern our life after. The Lord doesn't say, children are to be seen and not heard. In other words, sit down and shut up. No, the Lord says, there's people, there's, Kids that want to come to me, stop everything, bring them here. Don't you dare say a word to them, bring them here. I would say that's quite the opposite. So what does that say about the way we should have, what attitude we should have toward children? Every one of us in this church has an opportunity to minister to these little kids that run around. They're such a blessing to see running around because remember, Remember, right now the Lord says they're worthy of our service and our care and our affection. But they're also going to be adults. One day they're going to be an adult. And they're going to be somebody that's going to live for the Lord. And we can have, listen, our church as a whole, all of you adults in here, almost everybody in here is an adult. Robert, Seth, and and Callum, and Victor, and Mav, and and Lincoln, and all the the ones that are coming along haven't been born yet. We have a chance to make friends with these kids, love these kids like our Lord did. They love it. They love attention. They love affection. Now, they act shy. It takes a while. Hey, if you bribe a kid, you can make friends pretty quick. And listen, you want to help the church as well? These parents, I know I'm one. I've I've got six. These parents who see you love and show affection and care and play with. When, when I saw people play, look, it made me happy. It'll help our church altogether. Because they see, that, they see that that parent sees that you care about their kids. That's a wonderful thing. The Lord thought children should be stopped for, cuddled, blessed, Prayed for, encouraged, and loved. And then he says in verse number 14, Suffer the the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Think about those words. Meditate. Of such is the kingdom of God. The Lord's saying, the kingdom of God is full of people like this. (laughs) People that the world looks lightly upon. That's true. Humble. Honest, sincere. That's the kingdom of God. Because you can't even get into it unless you're that, right? That's what he said in our previous passage. So the Lord took, the, so basically what I read in that is the kingdom of God is full of kids. That's what I read. Our Lord, Lord took these kids up in his arms. Look at it, what, it, what it says. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. There are no arrogant, there are no pompous people going into the kingdom of God. People that think they know it, people that think they're righteous, people that think they're strong, they don't go in. The door is way too narrow. Verse 16, and he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. So the Lord took these kids up. He held them. He showed them affection. He made them feel valued. I mean, this look, this, Jesus in this, in this case, Jesus is a celebrity, is he not? He's the most important person anywhere around, anywhere in Israel right now. He has thousands. How many people did he feed at the Sea of Galilee? Yeah, 5,000, not counting women and children. I mean, that's like, that's like, you know, 10,000, whatever, 10,000 people. These are the people following him. He is the celebrity. The, the one who is obviously the most important person is the very one who stops to spend time with the kid. How do you think that made that kid feel? Furthermore, consider who is the closest to the Lord Jesus upon the earth. Was it not the children? Who did the Lord bring up into his arms and pull close to him and put his hands on their head and bless them? They could smell his smell and probably feel his beard and felt his arms, the hair on his arms like kids often do. They were close to him. There was nobody closer. You could argue maybe John occasionally, the apostle, because he laid on Jesus. But I mean, These kids were the closest kids, to to the closest people to anybody, physically speaking, anybody on earth. He had a sincere love for them. So what did the Lord do? And I'll close with this. What did he do for the little children? Just as a summary, what we've read. He took them up in his arms. He gives them undivided attention and makes them know that they are important to him. That's what he did. He said, why don't them self-esteem? We're not talking about self-esteem. We're talking about showing someone that, that you care and that you're value, they're valuable to you. You can't do too much of that. He gives them affection. He blessed them. And when you look at Matthew chapter 18, I'll read this really quick and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11 Verse 10 says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For, that's the connected, that's the conjunction, the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. He's talking about the kids. He loves their souls. We know what he did to save them, right? How did he save the lost? Oh, there's only one way. We've gone over that a bunch of times. The cross. So he loves their souls. And then in verse 14 it says, Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. He wants to save them. And you know what? Everybody was a kid at one time. This is just a side note. Everybody was a kid at one time. So either all the kids in this verse are the elect or Jesus is referring to all kids who all become adults, who he wants to save. That means he wants to save everybody, right? So the Lord wants to save them. What a, I would just say, what a gentle and beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus. The kindness and severity of God, the mercy, the truth. You see those contrasts, but you see it right in this, just a perfect picture of the gentleness of our Lord. Let's pray.